What is God like? Um, he is powerful and awesome and amazing. Um, he is perfect. Um, and Jesus is God because um, but 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 Jesus died on the cross. But it was really sad. But then he rose again. He is good and. He can do everything, and he's the son of the world. He's the light of the world. And Reese, what is sin? It's disobeying God, but Adam and Eve disobeyed God because they ate the fruit from any, um, except from the wild they ate because, because God said don't eat it. Why do we have to obey God? Because he's good. What else? Because he's... Can you give me, like, a hint? Sin is rejecting or ignoring God and the world he created, not being or doing what requires in his law. So can we trust God? Yeah. Why? Because, because he's loving God, and, and he takes care of us if we feel sad or angry or scared, because... Can we trust God? Yeah. Why? Because he always loves us. Because he always loves us? Yeah. You can trust God because Proverbs says every word of God is false. Um, because he keeps his promises because he never does wrong and uh, because he never, he never breaks his promises. He always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Oh, yeah. My name is uh, Mr. Matt in Summit Circles, and I get the privilege to um, share with your kids here in our ministry. And I, I've been involved in um, our kids' ministry here probably longer than they have walked creation. And it's a huge blessing to me, not just to see my four kids that have gone through it, but also yours as well. And we just get to be a small part of the sharing and the discipleship of our kids and the love and admonition of Jesus Christ. And we want to continue to help and support you parents and grandparents as well. And um, some of us uh, lead in the Bible story lessons here each and every week. And uh, we love preaching the gospel and sharing um, and pointing the kids to the focus of God's truth through his word. And we show like a short video to help you know, grab their attention, but also we go over the, the key parts and we make that Christ connection with them. And our exciting story today is about Esther. And um, we see in our Bible story that a lot of people have their, their sinful plans, but God is always in control. And we see that people have their own ways But God will never fail. And God was faithful to Esther in showing that his people had a part of doing good to others and for his glory. And we're going to see here in this video of how that played out. So you guys turn your attention to the screen as we watch our video. Esther 
King Ahasuerus was the king of Persia. Many years earlier, when Cyrus was king, he sent some of God's people back to Judah to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Another group of God's people stayed in Persia. God's people were called Jews because they were from Judah. The king of Persia chose Esther to be his queen. Esther didn't tell the king that she was a Jew. One day, Mordecai heard that Haman, an important leader that worked for the king, was planning to kill all the Jews. Mordecai was upset. He was a Jew. He didn't want all the people he loved to be killed. Mordecai and all the Jews cried. Esther didn't know what was wrong. She sent a messenger to ask Mordecai why all the Jews were upset. Mordecai told Esther about Haman's evil plan. You have to do something, Mordecai said. Ask the king to stop Haman. Ask him to save the Jewish people. Esther sent a message back to Mordecai. No one can approach the king unless the king calls for that person first, Esther said. The punishment is death. Unless the king holds out his scepter, then you may live. You're a Jew, Mordecai said. If you don't stop Haman, he will kill you too. Maybe this is why you were the queen. Maybe God put Esther in the palace to save her people. Esther asked Mordecai and the Jews to fast for three days. Then Esther would go to the king, even if it meant she might die. On the third day, Esther went to the king. He saw Esther and held out his golden scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked. What do you want to ask me? I'll give you anything, up to half of my kingdom. Esther said, Would you and Haman come to a feast today? So Haman and the king went to Esther's feast. After eating, the king said, What do you want, Queen Esther? I'll give you anything, up to half of my kingdom. Come to my feast tomorrow, Esther said. The king agreed. The next day, Haman and the king went to Esther's feast. After eating, the king said, What do you want, Queen Esther? I'll give you anything, up to half of my kingdom. Esther spoke up. There is a plan to kill me and my people. The king replied, Who is responsible for this plan? This evil enemy, Haman, Esther said. The king was angry. He punished Haman and made a law to keep the Jewish people safe from their enemies. God was in control over Haman's evil plan to destroy the Jews. Like Haman, Satan wants to ruin God's plan and destroy believers. Satan thought he had won when Jesus died on the cross. But God raised Jesus from the dead and defeated Satan once and for all. All who believe in Jesus are rescued from sin and death. Hey guys, how we doing? Hanging in there? Hey, listen, there's something surprising coming up a little bit later. I'm not going to spoil it though. Miss Vicky gets to tell you about that. We're going to talk about something. You just heard the story about Esther. I'll take a few minutes to tell you a few things. And kids, I'm gonna, I want your help. I'm going to ask you to help me with the definition of something here in just a second. So get ready. If you've spent any time looking at the material that our kids uh, read through and they learn in the gospel project will be blown away by the depth of it. But also one of the things that's very important is the Christ connection. Every story, and especially a story like Esther where God's not even mentioned, 
It's a story about still how God preserved his people and saved them from the evil that would befall them to try to rid them off the face of the planet. That's exactly what Satan wanted to do because he wanted to stop the salvation of God. But Mordecai in the story, even if Esther would not have been successful, he still believed that God would preserve his people. Why? Because God promised that. He's covenantly faithful. We're going to be in a verse that's going to talk about sin. So kids, here's where I want your help. I'm going to put my Bible down. We're going to give all of us an understanding and a definition of sin. So kids, let me see your hands. Where are my kids at? Give me your hands. Here we go. My girls know this one because this is how we talk about sin. So if I ask you the question, what is sin? I'm going to show it and then we're going to do it. Kids are going to do it first, and the parents, we're going to, all the adults are going to do it as well. So sin is anything that you think, say, or do that breaks God's law. And then I add this extra one, and his heart. So let's try it. Sin is anything that we think, say, or do that breaks God's law and his heart. All right. All of us together one more time. What is sin? Sin is anything that we think, say, or do that breaks God's law and breaks his heart. From the very beginning of time, God lived with his people in innocence and they sinned. They did what he told them not to do and through sin came death. Death entered the world. But Jesus came to deal with sin once and for all. That's what Hebrews tells us. So I want to read you the verse that our kids would be focusing on as a result of some of these lessons. The key theme verse in 2 Corinthians. Here it is. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. The wages of sin is death. And our enemy knew that if he brought sin into the world, death would enter and death becomes the ultimate enemy of mankind. But Jesus dealt with death once and for all and he has destroyed sin. Sin has already been done with. It was killed on the cross and death, we're awaiting death to be rid of as well. It's the last enemy to be defeated, scripture tells us. So I want to pull all of us in. I know sometimes a, a, a day like this, it's like, hey, some of the kids, this is just for the kids, and maybe, maybe tempted to sit back and to think, you know, this isn't for me. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Our kids are learning the very same things that we must learn as well. So just a few minutes here. I want us to talk about this verse. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Any one of us lay in bed at night or have time in the day where we are thinking about the things that we've done that are wrong, that have hurt others, that's broken God's law, hurt his heart, and then we're consumed and plagued with the evil that we're responsible for, I think we can all relate to that and the, the heavy hand and the weight of guilt that comes upon us. This verse here, 
that Paul gives to the Corinthians as a result of, of grief that they had, he wrote to them to assure them, your grief is a good type of grief because it led to something. It led to repentance. Now, there's a bad type of grief. There's good grief and there's a bad type of grief. The bad type of grief is the type that leads to death. What does this mean? Guilty of a crime that's deserving of death. Imagine you're in a courtroom. You're guilty of it. And, and the gavel has just fallen. And it says, you deserve to die. Your punishment is execution. Let me ask you, is there anything that anyone could say or do? Any food you could eat in the moment? Any show you could watch? Any distraction that, that you could give to yourself that would take away the grief of the reality that you're guilty and now you are going to be punished by death? Anything that would uh, take that depressed feeling away? This is the worldly grief that even Christians can still experience as they forget what Christ has done for them. So listen, why do I feel this way? And I get in these moments so many times where I can't get away from the things that I've done and I'm plagued with what I've done and how I've fallen short, how I don't deserve salvation, how I don't deserve God's love, I don't deserve his kindness, and I'm just overcome with my failure and failure and failure and sin and sin time and time again, and I'm left with nothing but the sense of judgment and condemnation on me. This is worldly grief. And here's why it produces death. One, because the world has no hope. The punishment of sin on them and guilty, there's nothing that's taking that away. And two, they have no power to repent from that. But for those of us who know Christ, if you know Jesus, you know that he has defeated sin once and for all and that there is always 100% forgiveness for all of us, for all time, for any sin, for any amount of sin because his grace and his sacrifice is greater than our sin. So when we get in these moments when we're reminded of our sin, if you know Jesus, you also remember that his mercies are new every morning, that his grace abounds greater than your sin, that there is now, therefore, Romans 8, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means there is no penalty that's coming against you, even though we sin. And 1 John says this, my children, I write these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the man Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins. So kids, you ever know what it feels like where maybe you have an argument with mom and dad and you say something mean, you argue, you really say something, and then you like kind of go to your room or you go away and you think about it and you feel really, really bad. Maybe you sit in your room and you, you cry and you don't know what to do to make things better. But maybe you got up and you're like, you know what? I need to go to my mom or dad and I need to say, sorry, I know that what I did was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And then when mom and dad say, yes, you're forgiven and you guys, you hug it out. They give you a little kiss on the forehead. How good that feels. You're free from that feeling of guilt. This is what God does for us. And may we never forget it. Didn't Jesus say 70 times seven? If someone asks you for forgiveness, you forgive them. How do we deal with our sin the same way we dealt with it the moment we were saved? Godly grief produces repentance. I know I'm wrong, so I go to my heavenly father. My head's low in humility. I ask for forgiveness. I confess. I know that what I did was wrong. I know it. I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I'm not trying to make it right. It was wrong. I confess it. 
Will God ever not forgive us? Kids, will God not forgive if you ask for forgiveness? Hey, kids, I heard no. If, if you go to God and you say, God, will you forgive me of my sins? Will he say no? Will he say yes? Good job, Ridley. She caught herself. That's my middle child. God will always forgive. Godly grief produces a repentance. And what does it lead to? Salvation. So I want to leave us with this. Uh, the whole point of this is to encourage us. First John also says two other verses. You can find it. First John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's always true. First John also says this, the one who fears, so a sense of like judgment's coming upon me. And as a pastor, it seems like the number one thing that I that I do to try to help my brothers and sisters is I've sinned, I'm aware of how sinful I am, and I just feel an overwhelming sense of judgment. It it, it seems like this is something that plagues Christians because the accuser comes in and he's always trying to make you feel condemned and guilty. The only thing that's gonna solve that is to remember the truth of God's word and pour it into your heart. Fear comes with it a sense of judgment. But the one who fears, John says, has not been perfected in love for fear has to do with the judgment. What does this mean? This means that God's goal in your life is to perfect you in love. He wants you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus so much that love casts out this fear of his judgment. We're also told that, that the goal for when we stand before God is, is that we would not shrink away from him in shame. God is wanting his children, those who have been saved, he wants them to not shrink away from him, but to come boldly and to understand that the sacrifice of his son truly has eradicated your sin and thrown it as far as the east is from the west. And he wants you and I to begin living in that reality and to stop living in the reality of the enemy's voice that's louder than God's in our head that tells us to stay in that worldly grief that keeps you condemned and leads you to a feeling of giving up and death. That's worldly grief. God's voice is always there trying to tell you, I can save you. I will forgive you. My mercies are new every morning. Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. Hear me. I love you. I gave up my only son for you. I demonstrated my love for you in that while you were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. There was a verse earlier that one of the kids read, talked about if God gave up his only son for us, how then with him will he not freely give us all things? The salvation that he has promised is coming to his children. Godly grief will produce repentance because there is hope that anytime you sin, you know you can be forgiven and you know the spirit of God is there to help you turn and to continue going back God's way and not to stay in that place where your face is only in the mud. We're called Summit Church because we want our eyes to be lifted and put it back on the heavenly things and the truth of scripture. So this morning... Summit Kids, thank you for helping us worship God, to praise God, and then helping, letting us get into some of the lessons that you're getting into, especially with Esther, learning how God used her, like Christ, to sacrifice herself to save his people. And then also your theme verse that teaches us a little bit, uh, something about sin and God's goodness. So church, may we leave today more equipped 
to handle sin the way God wants us to and that when we sin, we feel the grief that will lead us to repentance. God is there to help us with all of these things. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your love, for your kindness. Thank you for a service like this where you're lifting our hearts. The enemy hates the praise of your glory and your honor. He hates to hear kids even understand the gospel, even at such a simple age. I think of little Reese so clearly talking about God in a true way. She understands it. God, our kids can understand this. You can save them so early and the enemy hates it. And he was involved trying to stop Esther and rid the world of your people and you preserve them then. And he hates us now and you will preserve us now because you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God, we are your people. Have mercy on us. Be patient with us. We still struggle with sin, but God, we look to you for the forgiveness, not our own works, the sacrifice of your son alone. In his name, amen.